Welcome to Invited In, a new podcast with the mission of connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and today we're going to talk about Operation Christmas Child. I'm excited to have David Thompson with me on the show. David has served as the Senior International Director of Operation Christmas Child since 2005. Many of you may know him in this role, but what you may not know and I found interesting was that David spent most of his growing up years in Russia and served with the Moscow Bible Church before he came to Samaritan's Purse. David's wife, Beth, also works with Samaritan's Purse and International Projects, and they have two children, five-year-old Malachi and two-year-old Savannah. So thank you so much, David, for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Christy. And I do have an update on that. We also have a third one on the way on September 6th. That's so exciting. Another well, little congratulations. Boy. Yes. Very exciting. Thank you. Fresh news for the, the <laughs> yeah. audience. So I like to start just to hear kind of how the Lord led you to Samaritan's Purse, if you don't mind sharing that story. Well, as you mentioned, I grew up in Moscow, Russia. Before that, I grew up in uh, Iowa, and we moved when I was 12. My dad was a church planner with the Evangelical Free Church, both in Iowa and then in Russia. So uh, early on, got exposure to church planning and then mission work and uh, went to Wheaton College, uh, Trinity Divinity School, and was thinking I'd go back and maybe teach at a seminary in Moscow. Got... um, pulled into working as a youth pastor, actually. So I got exposed to serving with uh, students there in Moscow at my former church. My parents had left, but I um, served, and I actually got the opportunity to uh, be a ministry partner and hand out shoeboxes when I was just a volunteer church youth pastor in Moscow. So we got our kids ready with songs and, and, and games and testimonies and learned Russian praise songs and went into orphanages That's and awesome. shared shoeboxes. So I, I really knew very little about Samaritan's Purse at that point, and that was just a huge ex- exposure. So uh, I was going to go back um, and teach at a seminary, and um, then a friend, as I was wrapping up seminary uh, for myself, sent me John Pays. He used to work here in Donor Ministries. He sent me a link, and he said, take a look at this job. It's the regional director for Operation Christmas Child uh, for the Russian-speaking world. And having learned to speak Russian pretty well at that point, put my name in the hat. And uh, almost 15 years later, <laughs> the, the rest is history. Wow. Now, did you move to Boone yeah. immediately? Well, it took about six months to get hired. So okay. HR has really in- okay. stepped up their game, and it's a lot faster now. But uh, yeah, it was a long process. Um, and as soon as I was hired, um, yeah. August of 2005. So. Okay, great. And and you met your wife at Samaritan's Purse, is that correct? Pretty much, yeah. We we started dating when she was working here. Um, Travis Critcher, who also works in Operation Christmas Child, he um, had a friend, a couple mutual friends, and, and we met uh, Espresso News downtown Boone, and we went for a hike. Um, and that was the first time. And then I think we met at a Christmas party, but really... Uh, we started dating long distance. She was the country director in Mongolia. She'd been wow. an intern previously and then became the country director for an office focused on Child's Heart Program and some agricultural um, projects and evangelism. So uh, we started dating long distance in 12 time zones apart. We dated for about, let's see, how long was that? 10 months, wow. uh, Mongolia to Boone. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> So how is that for both of you to have jobs here? You, I'm, I assume you both travel quite a bit. We do, with yeah. small children. How does that work? <laughs> right, with another one on the way. Well, I'm leaving tomorrow for Columbia uh, to, to support the efforts with the festival and all the work down there. 
We have great parents who do support. They don't live here. They live in the Midwest. So we, we work really hard to talk our uh, moms, the grandmas, into coming yes. in and helping. Um, the grandmas are key. Uh, and, yeah, we, we, have, we have to work on child care. We have, you know, college nannies. We've had occasional longer-term nannies. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. Sometimes mm-hmm. Beth says it's the, the child care aspect's almost like another full-time job. Yes, yes, I can imagine. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't travel as much as I used to. We're, we're down, you know, maybe 50 days each or even under that some years. So it's not not like it used to be. The, the, those that go still 150 days, you know, 120, that's, the, that's even harder. Okay. So, so back to Operation Christmas Child. Yeah. I, I think most of the audience knows this project pretty well. Right. Um, but— I still would like you to talk us through it. You know, my kids and I, our family, we love doing that. We mm-hmm. drop off our boxes mm-hmm. at our church or our collection site. What happens next sure. to that box? Absolutely. So we're so thankful for all those that mobilize and, and the 90-some thousand churches and the give and the, you know, the millions of hours in the processing centers. But, yeah, that's where our team steps in. And like we, Brandy Rita likes to say, they hand the football off to us, and we roll with there. So the, the gifts go into sea containers primarily. Some are flown on the DC-8, and some are uh, air transported to particular places, but most go by sea container. They go through a customs clearance process. We have to work with 120 governments. That's a lot of fun, and all the bureaucracies <laughs> involved with that. Uh, but the Lord opens the door. Uh, we're worldwide, you know, every continent. We've even had gifts go to Antarctica, you know, one time, um, to some kids that were living down there. So we... we uh, we just keep on praying and seeing him open doors that some countries, you know, you wouldn't expect that are should be locked in Northern Africa or the Middle East. We have national leadership teams and regional leadership teams that are 100% volunteer. Our staff coming from here and a few that live in the field work diligently to train them up and prepare them to then run ministry partner trainings with all the churches like what, what I was when I was at Moscow Bible mm-hmm. Church. So primarily national leaders, but a few missionaries, and we'll, we'll take the gifts out and, and share the gospel presentation. We, we train them up at trainings throughout all those 120 countries, and then the Greatest Journey as well. Those, those same volunteer teams train the Greatest Journey teachers, which this last year was over 200,000, and 4 million children enrolled. So that's really the culmination, and that's what we're all driving towards uh, is seeing the children uh, hear the gospel multiple times through the shoebox as a platform, but then also being invited back in, uh, back in, like the, your podcast name, back, invited back into yes. the church and have the opportunity to be discipled. So you mentioned the local church. How does how do they play a role in this process? They're the center of it all. I mean, they really are. Um, Christ is clearly the center, but mm-hmm. in terms of here, the church is the hope of the world, right, to take the gospel message out. So local church, local church, local church. That's what it all comes back to. Uh, the volunteers come from the local church. We train the local churches. The local churches host. They facilitate the distributions. They host. They facilitate the greatest journey. So that's the largest most powerful volunteer army in the world uh, is the local church in terms of numbers. There's believers everywhere. We have the opportunity to mobilize over half a million of them. So it's, it's incredible. That's both domestically and internationally. So do they invite the children yes. you know, that, that come to these distributions? Absolutely. They get the word out? Absolutely. 
and then they follow up with them through The Greatest Journey. It's all them. Yeah. So just recently, we have this uh, initiative in uh, the Pacific and Saipan. We have um, over, almost 10,000 kids that have gotten gifts. So they're, they, they just, um, this is remote, you know, far off place. And the children had, saw posters. They, they got invited by pastors and by congregation members, and they, they would go and get the word out in schools. And the whole island nation was covered in almost all the children, you know, that were available and present were able to, to get a shoebox gift. So what I've loved is watching, you know, when you drop off the box, right. the person that receives it off the truck, they pray over the box. Right. The people packing, going through the box, they pray. Yep. I mean, it's prayed over, over a dozen times before it even reaches country, correct? Right. Um, we say that we send these to the ends of the earth. Um, so it has been prayed over a lot. Exactly. Can you tell a story of a specific child getting a box, truly yeah. led by the Lord. Absolutely. So um, I'll take it back to Mongolia where, where uh, I used to, sometimes I'm teased, I used to figure out ways when I was regional director to go there a little bit too much because Beth was the country director <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to do a strategic planning. Or <laughs> But one of the stories that came back was from some of the church planners who took the boxes out towards a northern region. And I had a church planner who just, you know, he had really messed up teeth. He was clearly super poor, uh, but he'd come in for a training, and he, he, you know, told us this story about going out, taking the gift boxes into northern Mongolia, into unreached places where the gospel hadn't been heard by many people before, and there was no existing local church. Going out, taking it, and having the opportunity, you know, to, to suffer for Christ. There were stones thrown at these church planters when they came into the village. Uh-huh. They were they were persecuted. The, the local um, Buddhist leaders and uh, villagers didn't want them to come in, but they did a distribution. They stood firm, uh, and they saw a few of the kids come to Christ. And the parents' attitudes, the stigma changed. Their uh-huh. initiative sh- just shifted because they were loving on the kids. They were blessing the kids. They were opening hearts, both of the kids and the parents. And one of those little kids came back to the church planters. It's called a, a gurt. It's a big hut uh, for these nomadic um, Mongolians. And, you know, kn- knocked on the gurt and said, um, I want to thank Jesus for my gift. Hmm. And uh, the church planner was able to say, let me tell you a little bit more about him. He's not here because he thought he was in the hut. That's precious. <laughs> but he, he was able to, to walk him through, uh, mm-hmm. and that child came to, to saving faith. So mm-hmm. that happens That's awesome. so many times. That leads me to another question I have. You know, there are countries that are open right. to the gospel, but then there are a lot of closed countries. Right. So how, how is it different working with countries that are possibly closed? Do you have to yeah, change absolutely. your tactics? We do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We we have to adapt to the, the, the circumstances, the tactics. So to work in a place like Afghanistan, to work in a place like Bangladesh, to work in um, a place like Lebanon even, where, where we have so many great ministry partners, each of those, there's there's countries that are restricted and closed, and, and we have to really be careful. We, we identify the same teams, the same volunteer mm-hmm. teams. So it's still the local church. It's still volunteer, it's still just prayed over and the doors, the Lord opens. Um, our, our, sometimes we can't give out the full uh, booklet of mm-hmm. the greatest gift because it would endanger the children if they were to receive it. 99 point something of the gifts do have the booklet along, but about 1% have to, we have to change our approach there uh, for the safety of the children. And then, um, 
you know, sometimes they can't do it as in big of uh, environment. Maybe they do a smaller distribution in, in a Lebanon or in, in Afghanistan or in Northern Africa. Maybe they'll have 30 to 50 kids versus the 200 when you go to Mexico or Colombia or, you know, uh, a Mongolia or something. This is just another question. I know there's a couple on staff that received a shoebox. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, did they yeah. come here because of that life change or... Yeah, uh, there's Julia's on staff, and uh, we've you know we have a few, so many. Uh, actually, I think there's there's well over uh, 50 of the full circle stories that also volunteer. Wow. So so many wow. of them are. Um, there are a few on staff that are incredible, and I hope you have them on on the show eventually. But um, yeah, a lot of times they've been adopted by amazing American families that are believers, and they just hear and they pack boxes National Collection Week, and they and they tell their parents, mm-hmm. "I got one of those." That's and, great. Uh, that that's how it, it oftentimes has happened. Or Alex, um, he's another. He's from Rwanda. I mean, he's also on staff. I mean, they're incredible um, stories of God's faithfulness and and yeah, how that seed gets planted and matures, and then now they're mm-hmm. here serving on staff or mobilizing churches of volunteer all over the country. I mean, they are powerful. Yes, the ripple effect. You know, right. with that shoebox, it not only changed their life, but the surrounding people in their influence. Exactly. So practically, what are some of your favorite items to put in a shoebox? Yeah, I love that question. And I think earlier when I was younger, I would always do build a box. And I thought that was super cool. And I wanted to get the word out. You know, um, my son last night was shopping for Legos and Star Wars figurines on, you know, Amazon. So it's just, he's five. Wow. So it's just, that's where the world's headed, right? Yes. And uh, it was nice not to have to go to the store. And, but as you get your own children or grandchildren or niece, nephew, you know, going to the store is just a, a wonderful experience in, in November to, to actually select those things together with your children. It's just, you know, it's kind of a, a special thing we always look forward to. So soccer ball, uh, that's, I think, with a pump. Soccer ball with a pump uh, and shoes for boys. I think that's just little boys, they want to run, they want to mm-hmm. play. Um, that's going to hit the nail on the head all the time. And then for, for, you know, Savannah, she's our princess and she's two and, uh, you know, a baby doll, right? Mm-hmm. She can't go to bed without Daisy. And, you know, I'd also say a dress. I mean, what, what, what two things does Savannah love? Those are it. So little girls, I think are the same all over the world, right? Yes. So we mentioned earlier that most of the audience is familiar with Operation Christmas Child, um, or at least we think they are. Do you, can you tell us one insight or fact of something that we might not know about the project? Great question. Yes. So we do talk about it a fair bit at our conferences, and we need to talk about it more here at headquarters. And it's, uh, it's really our focus on unreached people groups. So that's just been uh, an incredible uh, focus that we've, that we've ramped up. Um, and probably about five, six years ago, there's still over 7,000 79 unreached people groups that don't ha- either haven't heard the gospel or don't have a local church that can t- multiply in their area. So we, this past year alone, uh, worked with 107,000 unreached people, 107 different uh, unreached people groups in 46 different countries. So you can, s- we have a map um, that, that, that lay that out for folks, but uh, numerically, just to share that, you know, for, for this purpose, it's 4.2% of the gifts, over 449,000 of the 10.6 million gifts went to wow. unreached people groups. So that's been a huge focus last five years, a lot of prayer, 
uh, a lot of um, we've studied that, we've invested in that. We 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 seek out partners like the seed company that's a part of Whitcliffe um, to help get those uh, people groups identified. Um, find locals who come oftentimes to the bigger city and train them up wow. and then they go back to their own. So like in a, a Burkina Faso, um, the Western Karabora people, there's a Christian Mission Alliance church planners who wanted to use the gifts to go back and they've gone from not having a local church to we've helped plant some of the very first ones in that unreached people group ever. So wow. that's happening. It's kind of behind the scenes a little bit. You know, it's not what everyone knows, uh, but yeah, great. Hopefully that helps illuminate that more. Yes. And so October to December is kind of the busy surge. You know, you're collecting, you're promoting um, throughout the rest of the year. What is Operation Christmas Child doing? Right. So on the international side, we have a cycle very much like the domestic. So there's two teams and they're kind of going concurrently always. Uh, for, for our cycle, we've got logistics. That's the big push in, in uh, basically once those containers leave the processing centers until probably about March. So just a huge focus on getting those gifts into the hands of the ministry partner, getting those gifts through the custom process and, and into uh, the communities. Um, so that's the first quarter. Uh, the second quarter is we're really building teams. Third quarter, we have training conferences. And then uh, fourth, we're getting ready for the logistics all over again. So that's real quick. So it is busy year-round. Yeah. <laughs> we just assume it's that one portion. So in closing, I would love if you would just share a scripture verse, and then would you mind just praying to close sure. a prayer request? Um, yeah. And then we will wrap this up. Thank you so right. much. Yeah, thank you, Christy. Um, the, the scripture th- that I would share is that kind of encapsulates um, – what Operation Christmas Child does is uh, Ephesians 4.12. It says, to equip the saints of works of service to build up the body of Christ. It's Ephesians 4.12, and it's a powerful verse. In that passage, it's talking all about how we have different gifts, and some of us are teachers, some of us are evangelists, some of us are disciples, some of us, you know, gifts of mercy, just all the different gifts that the Lord's given. And uh, it all comes back, like we talked about earlier, to the, to the local church, that the, the Lord is, is, is calling us to equip to equip those saints to have the works of service, word and deed, to go out, share the gospel, to what? To build up the body of Christ. If we do that, uh, we're in our sweet spot. We're right in the center of mission fulfillment, and I think that is ultimately what the Lord has chosen to bless Samaritan's Purse for is because that's the focus, and um, it has been, it, it, it is now, and it will be. That's awesome. Well, thank you. If you don't mind closing yeah, in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time, and I just thank you for an opportunity to share from, from my heart and uh, the opportunities that you provided here in, in Boone and at, at Samaritan's Purse, and uh, just so thankful for an opportunity to hopefully encourage those that are listening and um, just to hear more about what they're part of, the story that you're writing through Samaritan's Purse, through Operation Christmas Child, the opportunity to serve and, and equip church planners to to go to unreached people groups to uh, be part of a worldwide movement that's operating in, in 120 countries, Lord. We're just grateful for that. I thank you for uh, this time to share uh, my heart, and I pray that you just bless this uh, podcast and just uh, those that, that hear it. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David, for coming. I know thank I learned you, a lot, and yeah. hope that hopefully the audience can now partner in prayer this week for Operation yes. Christmas Child. And yes. you're actually going to Columbia? That's right. Yeah. Um, that would be a prayer request. Just headed to Columbia tomorrow. And, the, you know, the big push is, is Frank Graham's festival down there right yes. on the border. So many refugees. Over 3 million have come out. You know, that's the primary, I think, point of, of departure. And there's amazing projects works going down and down there. Uh, and 
we'll have a few distributions, and we've had a mobilization of, of a couple hundred churches in the area wow. as well to help get kids uh, connected to knowing about the festival of their parents. So it's wow. it's really cool to see the just the interweaving of the effort. Thank you. Well, we will be praying for that. And thank you, audience, for tuning in. Please join us for our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.